You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Swift works with its clients to improve security. ATMs get looted in Japan. A final follow-up on the realization that 2012's LinkedIn breach was bigger than thought. So old, but really big. Operation Kichang is back, now new and improved with Tidepool malware. ISIS information ops turn to inspiration and may betray some uncertainty about the group's ability to hold its core territories in Syria and Iraq. British and American officials get some cyber policy advice from business. Investors in the cyber sector see recent corrections as perhaps a buying opportunity. And how they keep moms safe online, Baltimore style. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Monday, May 23, 2016. The SWIFT financial transfer system is working with its customers to stop theft of the kind and scale the Bangladesh bank suffered earlier this year. It's promising a security upgrade, and in the meantime, it's offering suggestions for superior, more secure implementation to its partners in the financial sector. Among the initiatives SWIFT advocates is more sharing about attempted breaches, particularly those involving fraudulent transfers. Indeed, the system has told its clients that they're obligated to provide such information under the terms of service. Another robbery occurred last week, but this was unconnected with SWIFT. ATMs in Japan were systematically looted of 1.44 billion yen, roughly equivalent to 12.7 million U.S. dollars, in the early morning hours of May 15th. The fraud appears to have involved around 100 collaborators who used forged payment cards. Whether the card data came from skimmers or some other compromise is so far unclear, but The Guardian reports that the card information was obtained from a bank in South Africa. Investigation proceeds. The CyberWire heard from John Gunn, Vice President of Communications at Vasco Data Security. Gunn sees ATM fraud is likely to increase in the U.S. as EMV cards, commonly called chip and pin cards, come into more widespread use at retail point-of-sale systems. Criminals, he suggests, are likely to follow the path of least resistance towards ATMs. Quote, It's easy for fraudsters to buy stolen cards to make unauthorized withdrawals, but it's nearly impossible to commit theft if they must also have the intended victim's mobile phone physically at the ATM machine at the same time. End quote. Gunn says large banks are moving to integrate ATM security into their mobile banking apps, and that we can expect to see them leverage customers' mobile devices to reduce fraud across all channels. Last week's report of a breach at LinkedIn turns out we've seen to have been simply a recognition that the breach the business-focused social network sustained in 2012 was much larger than realized. Some 117 million users' credentials were discovered for sale as a commodity on darknet criminal markets. So, not a new breach, but belated recognition that an old breach was more serious than realized. 
Savius's director of product management, Jay Botello, told the CyberWire that this case is an example of the way in which security experts have tended to be overwhelmed by poor quality data. The risk has been that even critical alerts can go unrecognized. Botello says, quote, The good news is that automated data collection technologies are available today that help identify and capture the relevant network traffic for use in investigations, either at the time of an alert or months later. End quote. Such systems increasingly provide not only data, but sufficient context to examine a breach for what Botello calls the who, what, where, and when. We talk a lot about minimizing your attack surface, giving the bad guys and gals the least amount of opportunity to gain access to your network. One of the challenges these days, especially if your company has a bring-your-own-device policy, is that most of those devices have one or more wireless systems built in, like Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Paul Paget is CEO of Pony Express. We're used to seeing attacks come from afar through websites. Uh, we're used to seeing phishing attacks through email. And now we're starting to see attacks directed at users because of the susceptibility of the devices they carry. And those devices are bridges for the bad guy to get into the, the authorized network because that user has credentials. And that's, you know, and so it's a stepping stone to get into the network. Paget says many companies are vigilant about protecting their internal network, but have a harder time knowing what's going on in the wireless spectrum all around them. So it started with the simple idea of, hey, can you show us what's communicating in and around our network? Because we can't see this stuff anymore. We've, we've actually tightened our firewalls and our rules so much that we can only see the devices that we know, that we've authorized, that we've provisioned. We can't see devices that are communicating wirelessly. To do this, you do need something with an antenna and a receiver that, so you can see the signals. Fortunately, the devices that we all use broadcast a lot of information about themselves, so we can see all that. Uh, and all the intelligence is fed centrally into a cloud-based application. It's important to look for attackers trying to hit your Wi-Fi, of course, but Paget warns it's not unusual to see vulnerable access points added to a network through the course of doing normal day-to-day -day business. The kinds of things we see as anomalies are pretty interesting. They're things that are misconfigured by employees. You know, somebody comes in and pr plugs in an HP printer. You plug it into the network, it's a network printer. But the Wi-Fi is on by default, and password is password. So it's an open connection, not just to that printer, but it's an open connection to that network that anyone can access. So those are the kinds of things that become risks to the organization. That's Paul Paget, CEO of Pony Express. Palo Alto's Unit 42 reports that Operation Kachang has resurfaced, now with new Tidepool malware. Kachang is a cyber espionage campaign, and its targets remain mostly Indian diplomats. There's no attribution yet, and Unit 42 is cagey about offering hints, but they do go so far as to suggest that, as the Magic 8-Ball might put it, signs point to China. ISIS returns to inspiration in cyberspace, calling for lone wolf attacks in Europe and the U.S., should you, the jihadi, be unable to reach the front lines in Syria or Iraq. It's also stepping up recruiting in India by promising vengeance for Muslim deaths in 2002's riots in the state of Gujarat. These efforts suggest to some observers a loss of confidence and ability to hold its core territory. The U.S., meanwhile, is running an info-ops campaign in the form of both physical leaflets and social media image sharing designed to undermine ISIS's hold on its nominal capital in Syria. Residents are advised to flee to safety. 
Both Indonesia and Japan announced plans to establish new cybersecurity agencies. Japan's is being characterized as a white hat operation and will devote attention to the security of the upcoming Olympics. American and British officials receive some advice from industry. Insurers in the United Kingdom want Her Majesty's government to establish and maintain a national database of cyber incidents. In the U.S., startups tell Congress that data security, read encryption, makes us all strong and that Congress should draw the appropriate policy implications once it realizes this. In industry news, IBM plans another round of layoffs as it continues its long repositioning of itself as a service provider. Investors continue to wonder whether recent rough times for cyber stocks represents a buying opportunity. Many seem to think so. Finally, we often hear about the importance of two-factor authentication in staying safe online. Yet the redoubtable Graham Cluley posts a video from across the pond about at least one service provider who seems unclear on the concept. This provider offers two-factor authentication, that's good, but requires customers to agree to receive advertising from various partners in order to get it. Wait, hold on. Not so good. Really, chaps? And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. Joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Joe, uh, we've spoken before about uh, some of the adventures that your mother has had with her computer. You've, you've got a, a new story, right? Right, right. As, the, as the, uh, the guy with the computer science degree, I get all the phone calls and all the tech support calls from the family. I'm familiar with that. Right. Uh, so... To give you a little background on this, uh, my mom had a, a, a sound playing on her machine that was telling her that she was infected with some kind of virus, and she called me right off the bat and said, what do I do? I said, just turn the machine off and bring it up to me. Uh, and then I came in here and talked about it, ha- having not seen it yet, and imagining that she had somehow downloaded some kind of uh, malicious software or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I did get the machine, it turns out it wasn't even that sophisticated. It was just a web page that she had been visiting, uh, which 
I didn't even consider was was actually an option, although I've seen seen these things happen. But it seems so so basic and so so simple that nobody would fall for it. But it was it was convincing enough to get my mom to actually pick up the phone and call me. And someone she knows actually picked up the phone and called the people that the that the machine was telling that, that the web page was telling them to call and got scammed by these folks. Mm. Uh, so it's 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 they're doing it because it works, right? These these bad actors. By the time I got the machine, the website had been pulled down. You could, I couldn't even see what what she was seeing at the time. So what what what's our advice to our parents, to our friends and family? Uh, something like this pops up. What's the best thing to do? Well, tur- turn off the computer and and call somebody and ask for some help or disregard it. Nobody's ever going to call you and say you have a virus on your machine. Uh, if you're on a web page, there's there's virus. I don't know of a virus product that opens up and says with a voice, you've got a you've got a virus on your machine. Call this number, and then they're going to ask you for a credit card number. They're going to ask you to install more software. Those should be red flags that go up, and you should not be participating in that activity. All right, Joe Kerrigan, good advice for all of us who end up being the lifetime unlimited tech support for our friends and family. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With Identity Orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And that's The Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hey, listeners. We're always looking for ways to improve the N2K Cyberwire network, and maintain the intelligence-driven news experience that keeps you in the know on the latest developments in cybersecurity. We've launched our 2024 audience survey and would love for you to take a few minutes to share your feedback. And hey, there's even a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you complete the survey. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey and share your feedback now.